Hey guys, this is Ed, Paul, and Anna of Current Brand Media, and we are here to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. Sportsball is a great subscription service geared towards minor league baseball fans. Each box features a different minor league team. You get a box every three months with minor league baseball gear, including different styles of hats like Ed's favorite, the dad hat. The cost is less than $12 a month. Proceeds from each box goes to More Than Baseball, the only nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of minor league baseball players. We all know that Parents' Days are coming up this summer. So if you've got a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa who are particularly difficult to buy for, but you know they're baseball fans, this is the answer, guys. Meet your new favorite team at sportsballbox.com. Is there anybody there? <laughs> There's a rapid growth period here for soccer. If you look to 10 years ago, there was maybe 55 pro teams. Um, in, the, in the U.S. now there's over 110. Um, and I think you're just going to continue to see that growth. What's up, Deadhead Crew? Ed here. And on this episode, I give you guys Connor Kaloya. He is the chief operating officer for both the Madison Mallards and Forward Madison. We talked about how the Forward Madison, uh, they came up with the name, the crest, and the story behind how that happened. Um, we talked about the popularity of soccer growing here in the United States uh, in comparison to baseball. It was a great conversation, guys. So without further ado, I'll give you the episode. All right. Well, I want to welcome you guys to yet another episode of the Data Chronicles. My name is Ed, guys. And with me today, guys, I have the chief operating officer for the Forward Madison FC of the USL1 uh, League. Uh, that's soccer, guys. Uh, and then Madison Mallards of the Nordswoods League, Connor Kaloya. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm great, Ed. Thanks for having me. It's an, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, I, I reached out to you because I saw Forward Madison is one of my absolute favorite logos and favorite teams out in USL1. And come to find out, you also have one of my favorite logos in, you know, in the Northwoods League. So this is a plus here, my friend. It is a plus. Well, good. We can talk some baseball and some soccer. And uh, I can't tell if you've got one of those, one of our hats yet, but we'll have to get you a couple. Uh, you know what? I'm all for that. I am all for that. I actually have one of the Madison Mallards, so I do have one of those, but you, you know, it is up here in the wall. Uh, so uh, the first question I ask everybody is, you know, how'd you become a fan of sports, you know, baseball and soccer really? Yeah. So I, I grew up, you know, I, I grew up, uh, playing kind of, uh, you know, I'm 40 now. So my generation, everybody played baseball, basketball, and football. That's what you knew. I had a short stint in soccer, uh, between the ages of six and seven. Um, and you, you know, like that's what I grew up doing and, and I loved sports when I got to college at the university of Wisconsin, I knew I wanted to work in sports, thought I wanted to work in sports, thought I would be a sports agent, thought I'd get a business degree that just didn't quite work out. And, um, I interned for the Madison Mallards after my junior year of, of college in the, in the summer. And, um, you know, I've kind of found my, my path and been fortunate to find my way into ownership of a minor league team. And, uh, in the last five years, we've gotten uh, soccer as well, which has been a, a great challenge and a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's and, and again, it's a fun logo, fun team uh, in a very fast growing sport here in the United States. Uh, before I continue, though, I want to make sure because I have someone who is also a friend of mine who is a GM over at Danville, the Otterbots, Austin yeah. Schur. 
do you know that guy? I, you know, do you know that guy? I do know Austin. Austin was, uh, went to school here in, in Madison, uh, worked for us, uh, worked with us at the Mallards. I believe, if I remember right, I think I have this right. But I think Austin was a beer mover. He was. Um, so, he so he like, was. It, 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 that was his official title. I was a beer mover when I was the PR intern because we all did everything. And, um, you know, as a PR intern, I, I cooked hot dogs for the first three innings, moved beer for the next three innings, um, and, and then eventually wrote the game story without watching the game. So, so great journalism. But, but Austin was, a, a, you know, has gone from uh beer beer mover to i think executive of the year in the the league that he's in so it's mm-hmm. awesome to see him do well and uh, he's come a long way from lugging kegs around Warner Park. <laughs> right. Uh, nothing nothing more fun than you know logging some you know heavy kegs during the middle of summer right you bet it's good it's a good workout um you know i, I think i'm still uh missing uh, my big toenail on my left foot from dropping a keg at the ballpark oh uh, like 21 years ago but but uh but yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, we, we've got a party deck, the the bush light mm-hmm. duck blind, all you can eat and drink, drink 1500 people. And so we, we move, move a good amount of beer. We move a good about a, amount of beer. And if you're a beer mover, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're your, your dollars. Yeah. You're having, you're going to earn that dollar right there for, exactly. for the, for beer in that area. Um, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the soccer team forward yeah. Madison here. Obviously, I did a little bit of research, you know, and and the logo goes back to 1979. You know, a little story, you know, a little backstory there for University of uh, Wisconsin Madison, correct? If a little little uh, yeah. little prank that was played there for a bunch of uh, 1,008 pe- uh, plastic flamingos. You're right on. You're right on. So when we so we crowdsourced everything. Uh, it was up to the fans. We had over 15,000 votes. The fans decided the team name. Decided if we were football club or soccer club, they decided, um, you know, our team colors and, and everything was, you know, provided to us by the community. We, we would constantly do these brackets and votes. And so we decided we're going to be Ford Madison uh, or the fans decided we're going to be Ford Madison. We decided the, co- the, the main kit was going to be blue, similar to the Madison flag. We decided we're going to be football club instead of soccer club. We didn't have an icon and we'd hired a designer. We were, you know, already behind um on the, on the on the design process and halfway through that process it just didn't feel quite right we scrapped it hired another designer a local firm planet propaganda and we were struggling with an icon uh, forward is the state motto there's a statue of lady forward at the state capitol it's hard for a statue to evoke much emotion while it's a beautiful statue and it's a really good good story it's hard to make the icon of your team so we tried a statue we tried a a fictional lake monster uh, that lives between the two lakes here, uh, apparently in in, <laughs> in, in, in Madison is, is a potential icon. And then we kept coming back to the flamingo. And um, to your point, Ed, in 1979, the pail and shovel uh, party, which was uh, part of the, the student government when they were elected, I, I believe the first thing they did for no other reason than to cause trouble was to plant 1,008 plastic flamingos on Bascom Hill. It's the main kind of hill on campus. So 1,008 plastic flamingos, Every year, they still plant them as a fundraiser. I think they were just planted last week. Nice. Um, in 2005, the plastic pink flamingo became the official bird of the city of Madison. <laughs> and uh, so the city council, uh, you, you know, passed that that big piece of legislation. And That's an we, important piece of legislation. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to see they're getting something done. But um, anyways, uh, we need an icon. And we kept coming back to the flamingo. And then we had angry flamingo or, or, or less angry flamingo where we landed with the guidance of our supporters was kind of this more art focused, art inspired, art deco a little bit. 
mm-hmm. um, theme uh, of, of the Flamingo that pays homage to the Four, four Lakes, 11 players on the field, um, the sash across the middle, uh, mirrors are, are the, the sash and the, the city flag. Um, so, you know, I think we're really happy with, with where we ended or where we ended up. I, I will tell you, uh, and keep in mind, this is five years ago and things have changed a lot, but five years ago, um, the night before we were putting the logo out, you know, pink is our dominant color. And, and we were the first pro sports team uh, in America, I think, to have pink be a dominant color. And the night before, I didn't sleep great. I, I kind of thought, even though I was involved in, like, leading the process, I'm like, I, I, we're making a mistake here. Like, I don't think this is going to work. Uh, and it's been the best. I was totally wrong. It's been the best thing we've ever done. And um, fans have embraced it since day one. We've shipped merchandise to 50 states, 30 countries, have distributors in Europe and Asia. And it's it, we're just really fortunate the way people have connected with it. You know what? It works. That and, and I'll be honest with you. The reason why I became such a big fan of the of the club was you guys decided to do something different than you no know, the club, right? Like you went full blown. Let's go with pink. And you know, if they like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And I said, yeah, I like it. I'm a fan, and it, it works. It really does work. Yeah, and in the club, I mean, kind of a not. It's not our uh, mission statement or, or core value, but it's be different. Take mm-hmm. risks, have fun. I mean, that, that that's kind of like a guiding principle of everything we've done. Be different, take risks, have fun. And our logo is different. Our kits have been different. Uh, the way we, I think, uh, approach the community uh, is different. And uh, and even the way, you know, we, we let the, the fans pick our, our colors. We let the fans pick our team. We're the only club in the country that allows their supporters to sell merchandise in our stadium. So, you, you know, we want to, we pride ourselves on, on being different. Our road kit, we give to the supporters. They get to design it. And, and they profit off of it. So um, it's, it's a, you know, to your point, being different has been good for us. Uh, and it's true. And, you know, these, I'm looking at the new kits that you have and they are absolutely just, they're, they're a work of art, you know, so you guys have done an absolute wonderful uh, job with that. So when, when the, when you guys decided that you guys were going to create a league, a team and decided to, you know, which league to go to, uh, why USL? Why you guys decided to go that route? Yeah, so so the backstory on that, you, you know, we took over Bree Stevens Field. It's an old historic facility. In 2014, mm-hmm. the city put turf in. 2016, we took it over. We just ran events there, ran concerts, did community festivals, but we knew we needed a, a primary tenant. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, in 16, we started the pursuit of of uh, of pro soccer. And for a while, we thought we might be. Uh, the two team of an MLS team, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that we might house here. We looked at doing uh, what was the PDL, which is now USL League Two, an amateur uh, platform. Um, in, in in our kind of vetting process over time, uh, NISA w- was getting started as well. That that league that's currently in the third division of American soccer, and then USL Le- League One came on the map, and it just kind of felt like that was the right position for a market this size. Um, it was a new league. We liked the idea of starting fresh. Um, and it's been a good fit. I mean, we, we've we've got uh, great partners in that league from uh, an ownership standpoint. Um, we've enjoyed our time in the league. I, you know, obviously, uh, wish we'd be winning a little more than we have, but uh, but but it's it's been a good experience. Um, the league is you know uh, well run and very stable, and um, you know I think we ended up in the right spot for this market. And you guys are going against some really good. Uh, areas right north carolina charlotte uh northern colorado colorado you know richmond so you guys have some some teams that are really uh growing in 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 areas where the popularity of 
soccer is growing a lot. Yeah, we're, we're in great markets. The, the challenge, you know, we're in 12 markets across the U.S. So travel, uh, especially being the northernmost team, is tough. But but we are in great markets. You know, uh, we just added Knoxville, Tennessee the other day. Lexington it will be in our league next year. Uh, Richmond, Greenville, South Carolina, like cool places to visit for our fans uh, with, with with good atmospheres. Yeah, Santa Barbara, Spokane, you know, so that you, you guys are going to you guys are going to get some, you know, all across the U.S. Miles, but, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are putting miles. some miles yeah, on that. not cheap, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so the 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 model, obviously, USL wants, which is like I believe is one step lower than USL championship, correct? Yeah, it's the third tier of American soccer. So Major League Soccer being the top tier, USL championship and markets are mainly a million plus people. Uh, 27 markets across the U.S., bigger cities like Vegas, Phoenix, Detroit, uh, Albuquerque, b- bigger cities. And then our division, League One, third division, mm-hmm. 12, 12 markets, markets of around a half million to 750,000 people. So does the does the team have any um, any um, relationship with any other clubs in the uh, in the MLS or championship uh, how, how is that handled? Yeah, in, in year one, we worked with uh, Minnesota United. In years mm-hmm. two and three, we worked with the Chicago Fire. Um, the, the, the cooperation or, or the, the affiliations between the USL and MLS teams, um, those kind of ended a year ago. So mm-hmm. we no longer work uh, with directly with an MLS team. Um, our ownership group or a few members of our ownership group did announce earlier this week that we are planning to bring a championship team to Milwaukee okay. um, in, in 2025. And so... You know, I think there is some synergy um, between having a third division and a second division team just an hour and 15 minutes apart. Um, it will help us from a talent development standpoint. It will help us from a, a sporting resource standpoint. And I think there could be some collaboration there for sure. That's awesome. I love that. I love to hear that. Um, so now you you have that club. You have, Obviously, you have Ford Madison and then you have, uh, you know, the the Northwoods League. Now that you you handle both clubs correct i do i yeah i do i spend more time uh, you know on the soccer side of things i kind mm-hmm. of lead our soccer enterprises um but i started as an intern with the mallards uh worked been involved with that club for 17 of our 22 seasons and so um so yeah so i still uh, am actively involved there um in the strategy uh the overall operation of the business and and uh you know our, our corporate partnerships so it's uh um, it's good to be kind of have baseball back after the pandemic. We had a, a strong year and it was, it was great to see the Mallards bouncing back and a relatively new, new icon. We, uh, we launched that in the pandemic in uh, 21 and it's been really well received as well. I remember that time when you, the, the team decided to go away from, which was happened to be a very popular logo to this one, which is equally as popular, um, why the decision to to make the change? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a cu- that's a great question. There's a couple parts to it. You know, we had our first logo, our original logo for ten years, mm-hmm. um, and, and which was kind of like a cartoony duck, red eyes. Yep. And then we, you know, um, and then we, uh, you know, rebranded with more of an angry duck, which is a little. We, we felt we need to be fierce. Still remember when we rolled that out that I, I got a handful of notes from uh very very nice but but grandmothers uh, about a half dozen <laughs> grandmothers in the community who thought that uh it was too angry and not good for their grandkids and and they were they, they did have a good point it was a little bit of a, a a much tougher duck than what we were before um and then um you know as we were coming out of the pandemic we, 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 well i don't even know that we were even fully out but in 
10 years of first logo, 10 years of second logo. We kind of mm-hmm. thought we needed to rebrand it sometime. We weren't sure when was the right time. We kind of thought it was a restart for the club. And the focus of that rebrand was really connecting, reconnecting with Madison. Not that we were never, not that we were ever disconnected with Madison, but we wanted to kind of affirm our commitment to Madison um, and, and have a more Madison-focused, Madison-centric logo. And so that's what you, you see in our new logo. It's got the two lakes, the duck standing in between it, uh, a Swiss cheese home plate as a homage to the, the great cheese-making state of Wisconsin. Um, and then you see Maynard kind of calling his shot, Maynard, our mascot, call, calling his shot to the north yep. side where the stadium is located. So uh, and then you have the Capitol in the background. So there is a lot going on, but we did want to reconnect and, and, and really kind of uh, pay tribute to reflect Madison. And then our, our home kit, um, every kind of uh, municipality in Dane County, the county we're in, is, is you know, printed throughout the home kit to make pinstripes on the kit. So, which is a great touch. Love that part. Yeah. And, 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 um, I think, um, Connor McGregor might get credit for it with one of his pinstripe suits that had a profane saying all the way through it. Uh, yeah. so that idea might've been lifted from him a little bit, but ours is much more kid friendly. And, uh, <laughs> and it was just another way that we wanted to reconnect or, or, or further connect with Madison. So, uh, right, you guys play in the in the Northwoods League, and you know for Madison USA. What what are the similarities that you see when handling both clubs? I mean, because that's right, this baseball and soccer. Yes, those are different, but I'm sure there's a lot of similarities to handling both those clubs. Yeah, th- there is. I mean, the, the the mechanics, the basics of of running a sports business, your revenue streams, th- those are similar, right? It's ticket mm-hmm. sales, it's corporate partnerships, it's merchandise, um, game day revenue. But I think I, I've been surprised how different the two businesses are. Mm-hmm. Um, when we started the soccer team, so we, we the, the Mallards have been around since 01, forward yep. started in 19. When we started the soccer team, I think we thought we were just going to do what we did at the Mallards and bring it to soccer. And, and, yep. and that's not what the soccer fan wants. The soccer fan wants to let the game do, be the action. The supporters are, are the entertainment. And it, it's, a, it's a great atmosphere, but it's just totally different. And our research after year one shows – like between one and nine and one and 10 fans do both. So it's really two, you know, really different audiences. Yeah. And, and, and uh, on the corporate partnership side, you have kind of some of your staples in the community, you know, beverage companies and power company and um, insurance and, and big players in town. They do both because they, they, they're very generous and support everything in the community, but you do have, you know, different, different demographics. Uh, the, the soccer demographic is younger, uh, more downtown, more diverse, more female, um, and then the Mallards, um, you know, crowds, a little more family, a little more traditional. Um, and so you've got different markets. So we, we've got different corporate partners at both. We have different ticket buyers at both. Um, and really the way we go to market is a little bit different. There's stuff we can do on the soccer side that doesn't work on the baseball side and, and, and vice versa. I would say soccer is more of a lifestyle sport. So the brand's a little more edgy or a little more mm-hmm. in a niche um, and not as mainstream. Um, and, and we're definitely, uh, and this is just how soccer is, I think across the country, we're, we're more interactive or, or, or the fans are more involved in what we do from a decision-making and uh, direction of the club standpoint. It's really a, a collaborative community effort. It's very interesting that you say that the entertainment is done by the fans where in baseball, the entertainment is done by the entertainment group, right? Like the, the, the yeah. people that work there, right? But and you can see it in every when you're watching a soccer game, right? You see the fans are chanting, the fans are screaming and all of that. And that gets the players hyped up more than the other way around where the players get the fans hyped up in baseball. 
No, you, you, you're right on. Um, it, it's, you know, in baseball, you have 17 inning breaks. That's 17 opportunities to entertain. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in soccer, we kind of have to let the, the game breathe a little. People want to watch the game. You know, the, the ballpark, what we do is great, but people are there for to be entertained. And, and I would say the, the average fan doesn't know what the score was. Won or lost right. left at the ballpark. At soccer, people are here. They want to see goals. They want to see us win. They're cheering. They're into it. We've got 600 supporters banging drums, uh, chanting, lighting smoke. It's a different atmosphere. They're both great in their own way. But, you know, really the energy, the heart of the ballpark, or excuse me, the heart of the soccer stadium is the supporters. That's what kind of keeps keeps the atmosphere and the energy going. Uh, let's let, let's talk about that like the supporters right uh i mean because that's something that's very uh very football well soccer you know uh that is they there's different groups that will still support the same club like yeah, you we, guys have what, a bunch of them mingos ladies you know featherstone yeah. forward union yeah. la barra so you yeah, guys got no, a few no. of them yeah, we're fortunate to have a, a whole bunch. Uh, we, we've got the parent group, the Flock, which is the Independent yep. Supporters Association. But then we've got Mingo Ladies. Uh, we, we've got the Featherstone Flamingos, which is our African-American supporters group. Lavara, which is a great um, Latino-focused uh, supporters group. We have the Excessa Mingos. We're, we're, I think, the only soccer club in the world that has a supporters group that's focused on uh, individuals with disabilities and, and, and overcoming uh, those disabilities and making sure the stadium is friendly to, to, to everyone that wants to attend. You know, we've got an amazing group that started that, uh, the Excessive Mingos, and, and they're great. So, yeah, we've got a, a lot of great, uh, and I'm sure I missed a few, Las Rebeldes, the old flockers, uh, which are the older um, gentlemen that, that, <laughs> that, that, uh, that come out. It. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think, he, the, the you know, um, so, yeah, we, we've got a, a lot of great supporters. We, we, we've had great supporters from the start. But it's cool that we've got these different groups to represent different parts of the community. That and and I think that's something that you're touching on is like you know the importance of the relationship between the club and the community. It has to be go hand in hand in order for a club to be successful in your area. Yeah, I mean, our job here is to build community. We want mm-hmm. to build a community around the club. And while I'm one of the four owners of the team, it's the community's team. I mean, this this team's going to hopefully be here way longer than I'll be. Um, and, and we just kind of handed over, yes, we got to run it day to day, but, but we really, um, got to follow the direction that the community wants us to go. It's their team. We got to be representative of them. And when they speak up or there's an issue or they have a problem or, or they want us to do something differently, we're listening. Um, and, and I, I don't think two days go by where we don't have a, somebody in this office doesn't have a conversation with a supporter uh, about what we should be doing better or different or how we should be um, you know, interacting in the community. That's big. That's big. And the fact that, like, like you said, it's like there, there's so many different clubs that are supporting of your club. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's great. And I, and I love to see that. Um, so does, so you, the relationship between Ford Madison and USL one is going to continue. You guys see yourselves staying around in that league long-term. Yeah, I think it's the right fit. You know, we're we're a market of six hundred sixty thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be challenging from a, a you know, um, the soccer soccer businesses are tough to run as it is <laughs> as as a business. You know, it's a lot of cost, um, and for us to move up to a, a higher league, one there'd be a significant investment cost to do that, but two there there'd be a significant operating annual operating cost. And I think the the market that we're in, 
Um, I, I think we found our sweet spot. I, I think League One mm-hmm. um, fits Forward Madison. I think Forward Madison in, in this market, Madison fits the other markets in the league. There's a lot of comparable markets in the league. So I think we've got a good fit where we are. Let me ask you, uh, and obviously someone who lives in North Carolina, I find myself watching a lot of Forward Madison games on, for example, on ESPN. Um, how important is that to you guys that that there is a platform that is showing those matches constantly for you know across the U.S. Yeah, it's great. You know, the ESPN Plus partnership's been great. It is expensive for us to to, to produce that broadcast mm-hmm. and get it out, but it does give us exposure. You know, across the across the globe. I mean, I mean, there's people watching us all over, especially uh, domestically, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's helped us grow our brand. You know, I, I think <clears throat> for a while as we started to ship more merchandise beyond Madison, we started to think like, should we focus on a market or target beyond Madison? And what Mm -hmm. we realized pretty quickly was um, if we're cool to the people in Madison, we'll be cool beyond Madison. And so we always want to want to be Madison focused. Our our investment, our more significant investments are always going to be based on the stadium here, the fan experience and our local fans. But if something like ESPN plus allows us to connect beyond Madison, I, I think that's only, only a positive thing for us. Right, exactly. And, and and like you said, the the fact that you're taking care of your community first and then once that's taken care of continuously, right, then you can grow the brand. Because if you don't have support from your local clubs or your local, you know, people, it, there's no point after that, you know. No, you're right on. You're right on. We we got to focus on on our folks here first and we've been great to have a, a wonderful connection. Love it. Love it. Um so Bree Stadium uh, Field, I'm sorry, is that the the ownership group owns that as well, correct? Yeah, so the uh, Bree Stevens uh, Field is actually a city of Madison Park. So mm-hmm. uh, we have a long-term lease on it. We've made significant ah. investments here. Uh, we're the, the, we have the master use agreement, so mm-hmm. we're the primary tenant, and we, we have control of it uh, 24-7, 365. So any kind of rental or event comes through us. Uh, in addition to our 20 soccer, 20 home soccer matches a year, we'll do about a total of 240 uses, about 160,000 people will come through here. Wow. So we have an events company as well that does um, a lot on top of uh, just the soccer team. That's that's impressive. That's a that's a lot of, you know, foot traffic going into your area that would see able to see not just the team, but everything that you guys put together for the community. Yeah, no, it, we've been fortunate that the city's uh, the city invested and has continued to invest in the facility um, to to keep it um, in decent shape and in a good place for spectators. We're in a wonderful location, just nine blocks from the Capitol. The stadium was built in 1926, and so we're nearing a hundred year the hundred year anniversary of Bree Stevens Field. So it's really cool to to kind of have this old historic stadium right in the heart of the city. Let me let's talk about a little bit about. The the way and, and I'm sure you know you have people that that handle this, but how the the club does their uh, recruiting of players. Um, you guys are you know you guys have you know players from a lot of countries. So how how does how does that how is that handled by the club? Yeah, so we're, we're, every team in American soccer is sanctioned by the U.S. Soccer Federation. We're allowed mm-hmm. to have up to seven international spots. Um, so that's seven players. Uh, from countries other than the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, our technical director and head coach, Matt Glazer, leads our recruitment uh, of, of building our roster. And, you know, it's a variety of connections, um, agents, 
um, and, and, you know, uh, new players that we kind of, you know, find from a scouting standpoint. So, um, you know, we're in that process right now, starting to build the roster for next year. Um, and we will, we, we do expect there to be a pretty significant turnover on, on the roster as we look to next year. And, um, you know, it's a, a mix of obviously domestic players, but some internationals as well. Uh, there's some internationals that have been in the U.S. playing for several years and they're very comfortable in these leagues and they understand how they operate. Uh, for example, I think we had three or four players that this was their first time in the U.S. and this was new to them. And they, they you know, that that's something that you need to work with those players to acclimate and get comfortable and make sure that their surroundings, um, you know, are, are conducive to, for them to have success on the field. Yeah. And, you know, the the more the better, the, the more successful the, the team becomes, the better it is for the whole league. Uh, do you think that, you know, we're in 2022, um, obviously, is a very fast growing sport. Um, where do you see, in your opinion, you know, the sport going? Because, I mean, like I said, this is a very fast growing sport that we have not seen. You know, uh, we've seen baseball kind of slowing down. We've seen other sports being established, but soccer is really, you know, taking a hold of a lot of uh, popularity here in the U.S., yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can tell you where I see it going or where I think it should go. Uh, <laughs> that might be two different paths. Two different no, paths. I, 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 you know, I've, I've, I'm doing, a, personally, from an investment standpoint, I'm doing a lot more in the soccer space than I'm in the baseball space. Baseball's great. Mm -hmm. I think baseball is America's pastime. It'll be around forever. But to your point, Ed, there's a, a rapid growth period here for soccer. If you look to 10 years ago, there was maybe 55 pro teams um, in, the, in the U.S. Now there's over 110. Um, and I think you're just going to continue to see that growth. You're going to see, you know, what you kind of see on the minor league baseball side, as far as having a hundred and what it is, 120 minor league teams, 30 major league teams, and another 150 summer collegiate. You're, you're going to see something like that on the soccer side the next 10 to 20 years. You're going to see these, a lot of markets like Madison or similar comparable markets to Madison that don't have pro soccer will. And, um, you know, it's important that you get the demographics right. Um, the, the, this business is challenging to run. So you got to, kind of find the right markets where it works and you got to make sure there's enough people um, and enough people that are interested in soccer to make it work. So I think it is, it's important that we don't grow too quickly as a league or, or you know, just, you know, mm -hmm. domestically from a professional soccer spectator standpoint. But I think you're, you're going to see, I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years there's 20 to 30 more uh, lower division pro teams, maybe 40. And that's just on the men's side. I think you're going to see uh, rapid growth on the women's side as well. And my, my jab about where it's going or where I think it should go, uh, what I'd love to see is promotion relegation. Uh, I mean, I mean that's something mm. that uh, every other country has. And I think the league uh, or the group that figures that out in, in American soccer first, I, I think is going to have uh, a distinct advantage and going to create a, a differentiating point from, from other leagues. Because I, I think that's, you know, what drives the popularity of a lot of the European leagues and clubs. And uh, it'd be pretty awesome to to see that eventually here, um, you know, in America. Uh, that is a great point, because in my opinion, if there is relegation, right, that means that there are less teams that are, quote unquote, tanking, you know, the season to get a better, you know, draft pick or whatever. And, you know, it, it, that, that, that promotes more of a co competition for other clubs as well. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, like if you, I, I forget the exact term, but I think it's the richest game in sports, you, you know, when the English championship league, the second division, when they have that kind of play, uh, playing game for the third spot of who's going to move up to the premiership. And 
you know, I think that's like a $200 million game. I mean, there's not a better uh, live TV event than that. And so I, I know that the stakes wouldn't be quite as high here, but um, eventually from, from you talk about the importance of, importance of ESPN plus you talk about um, domestic TV viewership. I think, uh, you know, eventually if a league can figure it out, promotion relegation um, could drive that. Now it's challenging because at every different tier, there's different investment levels. And, <laughs> and if you've invested significantly at a higher tier, you don't want to be knocked down and have your investment be worth less. So um, it, it's a really hard uh, problem to solve or to figure out, but um, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to see that in the not too distant future. I would love to see it. I think it'd yeah. be great. I I'm all for it. Uh, I'm all for that. I think it's a, it's a great, uh, way like I like we were just saying like you know just the po- growing the popularity growing you know the competition better players and and like you said look at the EPL right the EPL does it and and it's one of the most popular leagues all over the world which is yeah insane. And, no you're right on and I think that's a big part of um you know you kind of got your top six in the EPL but that's what keeps the other teams relevant that's what keeps people watching. The other teams and, and and from start to finish the entire season. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Do you think that you could eventually see, I doubt it, but you could eventually see that in, in baseball as well. Huh. Yeah. I think that would be that, awesome uh, to see yeah, that. If you be. think about it, 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 it would be uh, baseball is so developmental, right? I mean, I mean the, the minor leagues, um, the, 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 that's why the entertainment value is so high because the baseball is developmental. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's kind of, I think they've got the right equilibrium there that the baseball's developmental, the, the, the fan atmosphere is entertainment. It's just a good summer event. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I don't <laughs> see the major leagues, I don't see yeah. the major leagues doing it, but I think if there's second and third divisions of any other sport, you could see it. And I think it'd be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's, there, there's something missing there. I mean, I know as Americans, we think we do things better than everyone else. And I know, you know, certain European countries think the same thing. I think the answer is somewhere in between. I, I think you, you take some of the most, so, some best of the best of elements. Yeah. yeah but what's going on in Europe and some of the best elements here and kind of figure out how you, how you, you know, put that model together. Love it. Love to see that. Love to see that. Uh, any other questions that I have not asked about the club or anything like that? I mean, it, I, like I said, it's a it's a it's a popular sport, so I wanted to get you on and see where um, where Ford Madison stood. And in this whole question on of relegation, it could be at its, its own episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll come back. We'll, we'll get a few owners together, and they can see what they I would love to. Say, to right? Yeah. But, uh, oh, that would yeah, be I'll get in trouble for that. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think I think we pretty well covered it, and I appreciate you giving us a chance to just uh, share with some folks what Ford, Ford Madison's all about. I love it. Love it. And, you know, um, I looked at, you know, this morning I looked at your shop. There's some really nice uh, kits and and things like that that I would definitely am looking at as well. I did see a very nice, very pink uh, dad hat is in there as well. So I'm all for it. Send me a note. We'll send one your way. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. All right, my friend. Are you ready for uh, my my famous, not so famous questions? I, I I don't think I'm not sure what I could do to prepare. Uh, so <laughs> no, there there, there uh, isn't. It's just random stuff. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. So, <laughs> so I'll ask you an easy one. All right. When you go to, let's say, you go as a fan to a match or a um, or a baseball game, um, what is your your drink and food of choice? Uh, normally, if it's out of market, I, I'd love to try a local beer. Uh, you got to try, you know, mm-hmm. local craft beer, and then food. 
um, it's, it's always something I wouldn't like normally eat at home. Right. So whether it's, you know, like I was in, uh, I took my kids to Coors Field, um, oh. uh, in August. And so, you know, you had to try the, the I think it's the biker gyms sausage there, you know, and, and, and try and get, I will say though, at, at the major league stage, you're seeing less and less craft beer and more and more, um, streamlined offerings, uh, yeah. or more narrowed offerings. But, uh, but yeah, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a cheat day when you go to the ballpark. It most certainly is. Yeah. And if you go to the ballpark a lot, that's a lot of cheat days. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Try working at one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Okay. So if you could have one dessert, one dessert for the rest of your life, which dessert would it be? I think it's French silk pie. Interesting. Yeah, I think. If you, if you let me think too long, I'll switch it, but we'll go with that. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, okay. Would you rather go to the beach or the mountains? Mountains. Good man. I'm a beach guy, but there's nothing wrong with the mountains, you know, so I've hang been, out. I've, yeah, I've been lucky enough to live at, live near both, and uh, there's just something about the mountains that, uh, yeah, the mountains for sure. All right. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So if you could work at a zoo, which animal you work with? Um, the easy answer would be the flamingo, right? But but that's like a homer. <laughs> that, that's too easy, so, right? Um, I think like uh, you know, I want to be something big, like challenging, you know, like a gorilla or something, you know, not something that's like threatening. Or I've I've always thought we we've got a great zoo here in Madison. I've always always thought the the bears were fascinating to watch. I know that that's uh, you know, maybe a little dangerous, but but <laughs> you, you'd want like a bigger animal, something you could like play around with a little bit. Safely, very true. Safely. Very true. All right. Uh, what was your favorite cereal growing up as a kid? I was, uh, you know, an '80s kid growing up in Chicago. A big Michael Jordan fan, so the so Wheaties. Uh, oh yeah, you when think, he was you think on. I would the... have better taste than Wheaties. I mean, it's like eating ca cardboard now, but um, it really but, is. Though. Yeah, it's like. It, not, sorry, I hope Wheaties isn't a sponsor of the uh, the podcast here, but but uh, nope. that's what I grew up on, and um, I don't know why I wasn't more adventurous in my cereal choices. <laughs> But I, was, Michael Jordan was on the box, and that, you know that was cool. It's true. It's true. All right, a couple more. Have you ever regifted a gift? Uh yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe regiven. Like, there's a slight nuance there. It's it's not like I, I I in my role, I'm lucky to get a lot of different things. I don't want to go to waste, so quite often I'll give it to somebody else. Somebody I won't else. Act I won't act like it's like, hey, happy birthday. Here you go. You know? <laughs> I'm not. No, no, I won't do that. Maybe maybe like a white elephant kind of thing. Yeah. You know, put it in yeah, there. Yeah. Or, or, or let them know that I was given this by somebody else. Not like, <laughs> um, I don't want the credit for it. Uh, all right. Two more. Yeah. What is your spirit animal in your opinion? And it can't be the flamingo now. Yeah. Um, I'd say some kind of bear, like a grizzly bear or something. Something's got a little fire. Something that uh, that that that's you know, not not angry, but but protective and um, you know, uh, has some energy and and is is always on the move. All right, I like it. I think it's good. I think it's good. All right, last one. Or or, or sorry, I had to have another one though. I've, I've living in Colorado for a few years. I've always wanted to see a moose, and I've never seen. Oh a moose man! Fly. But I've I think moose are pretty pretty majestic animal and they are um, massive yeah they're, they're pretty cool to uh to just watch but just, uh yeah. but no I'd, I'd stick with the beer bear is a spirit animal i like it all right last one 
in your opinion, what song do you think is the worst song ever? Ha! <laughs> uh, there's a um, uh, might be Talking Heads, but is it is it a Psycho Killer? Uh, if you know that song, Mm-mm. Um, but it's just very repetitive. Uh, <laughs> and just, I mean, I'm sure it was great in the '80s when it came out, but but not my favorite. <laughs> You're like, it's a, it's time for it to die. Yeah, just just, go into that, past. That's an automatic change. Just change the channel if that comes on. <laughs> Oh, uh, God, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, where can people find you in the, uh, uh, and the teams? Yeah. ForwardMadisonFC.com or MallardsBaseball.com. Uh, or if you're in Madison, we'd love to host you and, uh, appreciate your time, Ed. It's a pleasure to be on and, uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And then uh, we'll keep in touch for sure. Thanks, Ed. Take it. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Connor. Now, make sure you guys are following both Forward Madison FC as well as the Madison Mallards. Great organization. Um, Support them, right? Go on to their website, go to their shop, get some merchandise, right? I mean, I bought some Mallards. And then I also want to thank Connor. Uh, By the time of this episode aired, of course, he uh, sent me a hat. I have it. It's amazing. It's great. It's beautiful. Uh, So thank you so much for the hat. Now, a couple of things uh, just to take care of before I give you guys the joke of the episode. Make sure you guys are going in and uh, hit the subscribe button and give it five stars. Five stars means I go up on the ranking. I go up on the ranking. That means more people are listening to it. And I thank you very much for that. I, it is it is deeply and, and greatly appreciated. Now, now that that's done, let's get this joke in. All right. And this time, this joke came from Grand McClagan. Uh, hopefully I said your name uh, correct, my friend. So I do apologize if I messed it up. But here's the uh, here's the joke. Which soccer player has the biggest cleats? The one with the biggest feet. All right. All right. I see myself out. Guys, until then, keep on grinding and always support the minor leagues. See ya. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean. And I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna Tommaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.